You're listening to Regen Reports for Puma. Penalized for peeing, the fight for women workers' rights. If you think about the factories of today, they are almost unrecognizable from what they were 20, 30 years ago. It takes active participation from brands to not only set the standard for their manufacturers, but make sure that the conditions continue to improve over time. Not all factories are like this, and we can't shy away from that. So auditing basically serves as the window into the human rights conditions. It's a process of building trust and we will work in collaboration with factory management and owners to address it. I'm your host, Anya Dillard. I'm a community organizer and content creator who's utilized the media to disrupt narratives for over a decade. For this episode, we're heading to Vietnam, where around 2.5 million people are employed by the nation's textile factories. More than 80% of those people are women. It might seem like a lot, but that's what is actually very common across the industry all over the world. Back in 2019, an organization called Better Work conducted a study of some of these Vietnamese women factory workers to find out how they felt about their working environment. Did they have the same opportunities as men? Were they being fairly treated? Did they feel safe? The results were pretty shocking. As well as unequal pay and opportunities to progress, women described high-pressure work environments so tense they were afraid to take toilet breaks for fear of repercussions. 43% admitted that they had faced violence and harassment in the workplace. That's huge. Something desperately needed to change. And while there's a limit to what brands can do to change what happens on the factory floor, there are plenty of ways that they can influence it. Joining me today is Viola, team head of Puma Social Sustainability team. What is the reality of working in a factory like, especially for women factory workers? It really depends. If you think about the big factories of today, they are almost unrecognizable from what they are were 20, 30 years ago. It has been a huge collective effort between brands, factory owners, organizations, third parties, and etc. Today, in a lot of factories, the working conditions are good and the human rights standards are met. Obviously, as a buyer, that's something that we demand. We simply don't want to work with factories that don't reach those standards. That's really interesting to hear, especially because as consumers, we don't often think about the progression of how conditions in these factories have changed. Some factories go above and beyond those standards, partly because they want to reach brand standards like ours, so they keep our business. It's also partly because the labor market is competitive. Factories want to hire the skilled workers for the job, and the one way to attract them is to offer better working conditions and better pay. But that's not the story everywhere. There are challenges, not all factories like this, and we can't shy away from that. You asked what's the uh, situation uh, working in a factory as a woman, and there are some where the standards are high, where they pay workers above industry and living wage benchmarks, provide free meals. As a woman specifically, uh, the working conditions are adjusted if you are pregnant, like working hours, for example, Access to promotions, new trainings are provided without gender discrimination. And others, um, there's still more work to be done, um, such as the um, uh, lack of social security benefits, 
by safety or chemical safety management system or gender equality should be more a focus. I think that what you just said has a lot of power in that it proves that it takes active participation from brands to not only set the standard for their manufacturers, but make sure that the conditions continue to improve over time. And as far as women's rights are concerned, we constantly hear about the way in which experiences for women factory workers are different. So how are brands like Puma actively working to reinforce women's rights in the workplace? Puma does not own the factories except the one in Argentina. Factories producing for Puma are in most cases producing for other brands as well. One of the main ways that we look after all workers, including women, in the workplace is through auditing. Auditing basically means we doing inspections like within factories and speaking to workers to find out what's going on. What do the women feel? Do they feel safe? Are they feel fairly treated? Are special working conditions implemented for pregnant women, for example? And can they take maternity leave? Those are the questions that we asking workers. So auditing basically serves as the window into the human rights conditions and working conditions of these supply chain factories for these brands. And I think that it's really fascinating to know that that's how brands manage to connect with the workers that are helping to manufacture their products. But you're asking these women for their testimony. So how do you ensure that they feel comfortable enough to share their experiences? And how do you make sure that those testimonies are painting an accurate picture? We know that the audit is just a snapshot of what's going on. We know that and the university could be an issue. And that's something we really are working hard to protect. So we set up a hotline for workers. They can call in anonymously with questions or concerns outside of their time in the factory. In 2022, 159 people called us and we followed up with them. In 99% of the cases were resolved. It's also worth nothing that all auditors we select are very experienced, you know. They have been around the block. They can tell when workers have been coached, given certain answers. They can tell when something's up. They also make sure that factory owners and management are kept away from the workers' interviews so they don't interfere with it. Ultimately, it's a process of building trust with workers trust that they know that the information we receive the violations to be looked into and we will work in collaboration with factory management and owners to address it. So it sounds like this auditing process is a collaborative effort that takes you working with the factory owners to ensure that these issues are not only remedied but that the solutions remain sustainable. Can you provide some examples of the urgency with which brands choose to make these changes and the processes that have been gone through in the past to do so? The way we work is to build a dialogue with factory management so we can understand why it happened and how can we support them. We might also engage with other brands or nonprofit organizations to provide them training. When something goes wrong, we give factories clear timelines. Depending on the severity of what happened, they have a certain time frame to resolve the issue. And if they don't resolve it, then we won't work with them in the future. It's as simple as that. Say, for example, people being penalized for going to the toilet, we would consider that's a critical violation. And the factory would have to tell us what kind of a corrective action they are going to take to remedy that immediately. So there seems to be a level of urgency with which brands choose to go about not only remedying this, these issues, but bringing attention to them. 
Another example is like in September 2022, we received an email alleging that the managers of a factory in Pakistan were leaking the contact details of young female workers to male colleagues without their consent. These women were getting unsolicited, inappropriate messages that the same month an investigation was launched. The audit confirmed that the uh, inappropriate behavior towards the three female workers had occurred in July. By August, the supervisor was dismissed. Female workers were interviewed and they confirmed that the problem had stopped. In October, the factory management agreed to take further action to prevent similar cases from happening in the future. As part of that, they created an anti-harassment committee headed by female HR personnel. All male and female employees received a wellness training on harassment and abuse, how to report it, and the consequence of violating this policy. These wellness sessions are still going on and they are recorded. So what else is Puma doing to advance women's rights? One of our goals is to train 100,000 workers on women empowerment by 2025. We actually already met this goal in 2022. We have been working with the International Training Center, which is part of the International Labor Organization. In 2022, we have trained 287 factory managers in 114 factories, who extended the training to around 159,000 workers. We have also uploaded the video from this course to an online platform in 2022, 7,800 workers make this training module online. We are working with the International Center for Research on Women to pilot a tour as well. The idea is to get a snapshot of fascist gender equality policies and practice from two perspectives, workers themselves and fashion management. This commitment to getting a snapshot of these factories' gender equity policies from two perspectives, those of the workers and those of the factory management, is really fascinating. So let's talk a little bit about what gender equity means. To me, gender equity is about fair treatment of women and men according to their respective needs. This means equal treatment, but it may include treatment that is different because different needs between women and men need to be met. For example, equal treatment like equal pay for equal jobs among men and women, but different treatment for health and safety due to the unequal power relationships between women and men. Women are more subjective to violence, which is a major health problem and a violation of women's human rights. So it's very clear that Puma's commitment to upholding these standards for their suppliers has only helped with the development of human rights and women's rights in the workplace. But what impact has Puma had on women's rights as a whole so far? It is difficult to measure the impact of the work done to date. There's a lot of uh, word of mouth that's hard to quantify. For example, we know that in Asia, a woman will tell her daughter when she learns something. It's anecdotal, so it's hard to measure how many other women and girls learn about these trainings outside of the factory world. It's worth noting that this isn't just about training women factory workers, it's also about training men as well. It is also important to increase men's awareness on gender equality 
Well, yeah, in 2022, what I, we identified more issues than ever because we audited more batches than ever. I think it was more than 100 batches compared to last year. All these were conducted at 510 batches in 2022. And that's a good thing because the more we know about the problems on the factory floor, the more we can do to solve them. So a huge part of that persistence and not only having these audits go through, but making sure that you maximize the frequency with which they occur. So what impact do you hope to see in the next five to 10 years? We hope to see more issues being settled through worker and management dialogue. Ideally, we would love workers to be empowered so they can get together and negotiate with the factory owners management. We ensure that women are well represented, so women's specific needs can be discussed with factory management. So giving employees and workers in these factories a voice is the main priority. But clearly, there is still so much room to improve. So what makes you so optimistic for the future? If we talk about the synergy among brands, it's so much better. And that's something that we are starting to see when brands collaborate it makes it much easier for factories to work on improving than spending time to go through multiple orders for different brands they are working with. You see, so the more we collaborate, the easier it is and the more progress we can make. Today, we've talked a lot about what brands are doing to ensure that factories are upholding the human rights standards. But what can consumers do to ensure that the brands that they know and love uphold these same standards? Well, choose the right brands, be more cautious about the brands work in this field, and basically do your research and vote with your wallet. Clearly, there has been so much progress, but in the same breath, there is so much work left to be done. And I think that our conversation today highlights that and allows people to get an inside look on the nuances of human rights and fashion, something that is extremely important for consumers and brands everywhere to not only prioritize, but think about. So thank you so much, Viola, for joining us today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Anya. As a consumer, I think it's extremely important that we recognize there are human beings behind the clothes that we wear, and those human beings deserve human rights. You've been listening to Regen Reports for Puma. If you liked today's episode, please share it with your friends. There are 10 episodes about different aspects of the fashion industry, from more sustainable materials to renewable energy. Find them all by following Regen Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Puma publishes all of its progress, challenges, and setbacks in its sustainability report. You can find the 2022 report online now by going to about.puma.com. There's only one forever. Let's make it better.